This is Gil Manser, welcoming you to Word by Word Conversations with Writers on North Bay Public Media, KRCB-FM. Today's guest is the prolific author Sharon Hamilton, whose spicy Navy SEAL romance novels in her SEAL Brotherhood series, fantasy romances in her Guardian Angel series, and Golden Vampires of Tuscany series consistently top the New York Times and Amazon bestseller lists. Her recent presentation at the Redwood Writers Conference was entitled Sell Me Something Sexy. So stay tuned for some sexy words from a book-selling whirlwind. Best-selling romance novelist Sharon Hamilton has recently traveled from Sonoma County to Las Vegas, Tucson, New Orleans, and Italy to pose with the shirtless hunks who model for the covers of her numerous books. But she confesses that when she isn't writing purple prose, she really likes getting down and dirty at home in her organic garden. As Marlis Melton, the best-selling author of the Team 12 Navy SEAL series, writes, Fans of Navy SEAL romance, I have found a new author to feed your addiction. Finely written and loaded delicious moments, Sharon Hamilton's storytelling satisfies like a thick bar of chocolate. Sharon, welcome to Word by Word. Thank you. I love that quote. <laughs> First off, I have to admit I had no idea there was a subgenre of romance novels focusing just on Navy SEALs, so... Tell us how your books fit into the category and how you got involved in this specific genre. Okay. Well, I was always a uh, paranormal reader, and uh, when I first started writing, I had a critique partner that wrote vampires, so I mm -hmm. said, if she can do it, I can do it. Um, so I kind of cut my teeth on that. And then I presented my beautiful works to uh, uh, an editor at a romance writers convention and she goes no 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 I don't want any guardian angels or vampires I want a hero and I I was a floored you know and and so I went ahead and I I said well what about uh like military heroes I knew a navy seal I knew a couple of them and she said yeah I'd love a navy seal story so I wrote that book and that Which got me was started one? It was accidental seal my very first one and, Your um, accidental book. <laughs> in, in, <laughs> in a way. In a way it was. And actually it did chronicle something that I did in Sonoma County, which was I walked into a house one time with a naked man on the bed. That's a true story. So I used that in the first cap chapter. <laughs> uh, and caught everyone's attention. I did. And um, she loved the book, but they didn't buy it. And after shopping it and doing everything that an agent does, because I picked up an agent by that time who loved my work, um, she said, you know what, I think you should just try to publish it yourself. It took off. And the second one, even better, and I kind of haven't looked back since. Right. Now, the genre, military romance, uh, has um, really been coming on strong the last few years. I guess the public is is um, finally really wanting to embrace those heroes. So we're talking a lot about PTSD, what happens with these guys when they come home. Mm -hmm. And the, my stories aren't really about war or what happens overseas. There are people that do that way better than I do. Um, this is the story of the man, you know, how he falls in love, uh, the women, what they have to do to be part of that community and to love a warrior like that. So, you know, it just it, it was a natural fit for me because I have a natural um, respect and affinity for people who serve our country. So it just works really well. Mm -hmm. So you said you knew a couple of Navy SEALs. What what uh, generation are they? Uh, I am both generations. Actually, they started during Vietnam. Mm -hmm. President Kennedy was the one that uh, created the SEALs, really. Um, I actually know some that served, were some of the very first. I have a friend whose father was uh, actually one of the very first UDT guys. Um, and then I also know a lot of younger ones. Underwater demolition team? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, and that's how they started in Florida. In fact, they started first in Florida and then moved to Norfolk and San Diego after that. That's where I remember them. Yeah. yeah. So um, the younger guys, their experience is a lot different than the Vietnam-era guys or the um, ones that came earlier. Um, the younger generation right now are being trained for the first time, really, by people who actually saw active duty combat. Mm -hmm. So it's a whole different uh, breed of, of training right now. Right. 
Now, originally, I think that they were supposed to come in and take care of underwater activities, but yes. it, it, it's kind of expanded, certainly with, you know, what we've seen in yes. uh, in Afghanistan. Um, yes. They're going from ships, but yes. they're going inland to, to perform their undercover operations. Yes. They coordinate with drones. They have their sat phones that are connected to drones. They can, they're pretty mobile. They go just about anywhere. And, they're, of course, their job is to get in and out without being detected. Um, that's that's mainly what they do. And they're a small force. And, and be alive. Well, that's or, and the, do their mission. Right. That's the overall goal. Right. But sometimes it doesn't work, as we know, with yes. Lone Survivor. So your characters, are they in active duty? Or are they, you said some had PTSD. Are yes. They, are they in a kind of a that limbo state of not quite sure where they are in the system? or? What, it varies, uh-huh. really. It varies because I I talk about the whole community. I have a fictional SEAL Team 3, and that community has people who are former SEALs. Most of them are active duty, and they're struggling with the decision, should I get out or not? Gosh, I've fallen in love with somebody. Now I have something else to live for. Should I stay in? Should I? And most of them... Um, like the real seals out there, uh, that's a difficult decision because mm-hmm. they love what they do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're good at it. They love what they do. And what else can they do when they come home that's anything like that? So right. I deal with that in right. the books. One of the, the one of the contacts I've had with the seals is kind of an. Uh, I used to train psychotherapists up and down the state, and um, one of them was a psychologist in the. Um, Navy oh. out of San Diego, and he was the first person who actually was mentioned to me. This is like 15 years ago now mm. about the problem with PTSD, about people coming back and the, yes. the Veterans Administration not being able to cope yes. with the numbers that were coming in. It was yes. just way beyond the possibilities. Yes. And um, we he, we specifically talked about SEALs mm-hmm. and the pressure that they are under to perform and be the, the top of the top of the elite of the elite yes. at all times. It's kind yes. of like a circus performer, you know, on the tightrope, if you will. It is. You know, the average um, young man doesn't do more than one rotation through. Mm-hmm. I How mean, many they, years is that? That's six years, six usually. Years. So maybe they'll go two, um, but... Uh, it's it's not something most of them don't stay in for 20 or 30 years. Right. right. Or they might, well, they might go into other, something that's else. Right. Yes. Now, do they become trainers? Some of them, but I think uh, it depends on their circumstance, of mm-hmm. course. You know, I'm not the definitive um, uh, expert on all Navy SEALs. Um, Except for SEAL Team 3. <laughs> yes, fictional SEAL Team 3, which is based out of San Diego. <laughs> so what constitutes a team? How many people? Well, there's... 200 people, uh, 200 men in a, in a team, mm-hmm. and then they're bro- broken up into subgroups. And uh, do you have a platoon leader? Might It has about 20 men in it. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, my group is about 20 men in that group, and there's people coming in and out of that. There's new guys coming in and guys rotating out or doing a training mission somewhere else or on loan to the Marines. Right. Um, that's happening all the time. Now, one of the things I happened to answer in a crossword puzzle was the word centurion, which I always thought meant that there were 100, you know, Mm -hmm. Roman soldiers. Well, Mm -hmm. there weren't. There were only 80. Oh, really? Because 20 of them were the, you know, the support, Uh the the cooks and, you know, the people who helped them travel, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. So when you say there's 20 on a team and there are 200, does that mean there are 10 teams of 20 or are are there support with that 200 as well? Uh, No, those are the SEALs. Those Uh, are the active Mm-hmm. Get on the wetsuit, go to wherever you're They're going. They're the ones that can wear the trident. Right. Uh, the other guys, the support, uh, like swick boat crew, those are the ones that bring them in and out of uh, waterways. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, there's all kinds of uh, you know, Marines and uh, um, Air Force that help with transportation as well. So they're all part of it. They do combined operations, but the SEALs are a SEAL. And a seal is a seal. A seal is a seal, and always a seal, mm-hmm. and a very elite group. It, yes, yes, and they get to wear a special uh, the trident trident is. on their mm-hmm. on their uniforms as mm-hmm. a result. Do they want to be seen and known as seals after they leave the service, or do they try to keep a low profile? The, your your particular mine you know, are, from are your team. Mine don't do it for the money. They don't do it to be. Um, is it more know, money than? 
a regular? I, I suppose it's a little more, but I really – Hazardous again, duty pay. It is. Right. And I think that um, <clears throat> most of them don't really want to um, draw too much attention to uh, what they did. They're in a closed community, so it's not uncommon for kids of SEALs to marry other kids of SEALs mm. if something happens. I know a gentleman whose son – married the widow of one of the um, men in Lone Survivor. Mm -hmm. She was left and her husband died, but she married another seal. And that's very common. Mm. So they work within their own community. Uh, The doctors that work with them uh, tend not to work outside of the seal community too. So it's it's a very closed community. And because it is closed, there's this – feeling or this this uh, urge to find out about them. So I create these fictional stories. So I can't talk about the real stuff and I don't know about all the real stuff, but these fictional stories help tell the story of the of the people. So why don't you share one of the books and the fictional stories? You said you had one you wanted to read <clears throat> from. Sure. Yes. And um, the title of this one is? Uh, Fallen Seal Legacy. Fallen Seal Legacy, which mm-hmm. sounds like there's something has happened. And, <laughs> yeah, let's see. Um, the, um, the background of this is that the seals are given a uh, K-bar knife engraved with the name of a fallen seal. usually in Some the, other fallen seal. On, some other right. fallen seal, and usually in their specialties. So if they're a corpsman. It might be a corpsman that fell if it, they're radio. Tell us what a corpsman is. Is a medic, basically. Okay. And um, um, so they will be given, if they're a sniper, they might be given the name of a sniper. So there's specialties within the SEAL yes. hierarchy. Yes, and that works best for a team, a small insertion team, so that everybody uh, does something well. And they can do all things, mm-hmm. but they do something really mm-hmm. well. Uh, so in this case, uh, this would never happen in real life, but in my story, uh, he is given um, the K-bar knife with somebody's name on it, and he's just lost his family in a tornado. And his um, the seal, who's the hero of this right, book, right? Coop, Coop. And he's he's one of my my fan favorites, I guess. He's six foot four. He lives in a motorhome at a beach down in San Diego uh-huh. because he's too cheap to uh, rent an apartment. Files kind of exactly. Yeah. He's yeah. kind of that guy. Anyway, he goes to the house to learn about the family of this fallen seal, and um, he meets the uh, heroine here. Mm-hmm. An extremely tall shadow fell through the ornate glass and metal front doors of the Brownlee house. At first, Libby was frightened. Get a grip. The melodic doorbell chime had been imported all the way from an abandoned abbey in the south of France. Whoever he was, Libby Brownlee thought, he'd not be able to get through the doorway without ducking or smacking himself in the forehead. Yes, she didn't remove the brass chain connecting the door to the doorframe. It couldn't really stop anyone, especially someone of his size, she realized way too late. What she saw scared her, but in a way she didn't recognize, couldn't identify. She was a, he was a handsome, very, very tall and fair-haired young man about, the, about her age. His piercing blue eyes didn't stray from hers as he coolly nodded his head and shook and took inventory of her character without peeling his steady gaze from hers. She felt undressed, yet powerless to cover up, but she didn't look away. Ma'am, I'm looking for the Brownlee family. He said this as he ducked his head and leaned forward. She observed he was trying to make himself smaller. The effort made him look huge. This is the Brownlee residence. Her response was worthy of a domestic. No need to to let him know she was a relative. My name is Special Operator Calvin Cooper. I know what a special operator is. He smiled but continued. Currently serving in the Navy. I've been asked to reach out to the family of Special Operator William Brownlee. Uncle Will. She bit her tongue, too late, to take it back. My father's twin brother. I never met him. He's been dead for many years, since before I was born. Libby looked at the ground, but was was soon distracted by the size of the young man's canvas slip-ons, the light brown hair on his ankles and lower legs punctuated by light purple scars, blazed in the afternoon sun, a surfer. Yes, ma'am, that's the reason I'm here. 
it's a little late for a color guard. He get awarded a medal posthumously or something? The sailor stepped back and put his eyelids at half-mast after the flash of anger. He appeared way calmer than she knew he really was. The control was impressive. No matter how hard she looked, the anger did not surface again. He licked his lips and began to speak, softer this time. Look, I don't want to be here any more than you want me, so let's just get this over with so I can tell my chief I tried to reach out and you guys slammed the door in my face, okay? Maybe she was being stupid, but something, somehow, she trusted him. There, um, this wasn't the wrinkle she'd expected. Fine, she said. She removed the chain, opened the door, and the muscled giant walked into her home with quiet, fluid strides. He smelled like he'd just figured out how to wear aftershave. Something told her he didn't do it very often. Aha. Uh-huh. So we've got, we have a frisson of... Uh shall we say, under un, low-level interest at a biological level. Yes. Yes. Most of my stories are like that. You know, I'm writing about the chemistry between mm-hmm. the man and the woman, mm-hmm. and and it ha- usually happens instantly. That doesn't mean they just go jump into bed together or something. But uh, No, they wait a good two or three chapters. <laughs> so that's a good You've question. You've been reading my books. Well, no, but I, I do know some other romance novel. Writers, yes, and they write according to a formula, if you will. Something happens, you know, in so and so pages. You've got an introduction that sets up this. You go so far, and you do another thing, and then you, mm-hmm. you know, build the story arc from there. Mm-hmm. Is this true with yours? Do you well, follow I, such a thing? Yes, I, I think I do follow a um, a format. It's not uh, prescribed by stages or by mm-hmm. pages, but it is prescribed by, say, a four act series, mm-hmm. like you're doing a play. And uh, that's very valuable for a novelist to adhere to that. Now, you could have Act 1 be way longer than the other acts, but uh, so it does, it, it, the pages depends on the story. But it's basically, you know, the introduction of the characters. You want to know right away what they're up to and what their problems are or issues. Mm-hmm. And then as they sail on through the, Worst thing that could happen to them is what happens to them, <laughs> usually. Mm-hmm. Or you have this young couple that falls in love. It's perfect. Uh, everything's great. And then something happens that dashes them to pieces. Mm. That's always the hard part for me to write. But right. then, and the then there's quest. and then there's the happily ever after, which in a romance, uh, the two things have to happen. The woman always wins, and there's always a happily ever after. Let's say that again. The two things that have to happen in a romance novel is the woman always wins and there's always a happily ever after. So when you say the woman always wins, what Mm -hmm. does that mean? It means she gets what she wants, whatever that was. Whatever that was. And that varies depending on the character. Of course. You know, if she wants that guy because he's the perfect guy for her, he's not the rich billionaire guy, but he's the guy for her, that's the one she wants and it's, it's a romance. probably going to be a Navy SEAL. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. So tell me, uh, one of the things I've enjoyed reading about on your, your Facebook page and your blog is your uh, travel around the world and meeting the hunks, if I can use that word, mm-hmm. who appear, the male models who appear on the covers of your books. Yes. And in your posters for your yes. books. And in yes. your promos for your books. <laughs> so uh, share a little of that with us and what it's like and is it as crazy as it looks? <laughs> Well, you know, it is a lot of fun. Um, we um, Romance writers are a wonderful group, a wonderful organization, uh, and we bring these models and people in because it's, it's – uh, it's it's fun, and they're looking for business. They mm-hmm. want to be cover models, so they come in and they get to kind of woo us during these conventions with so, their large feet, <laughs> of course. <laughs> Not to mention their abs and their pecs and their shoulders and their nice smile. And anyway, um, it's a kind of a chance for us to run around with our own heroes. Okay, the heroes that are in our mind, um, and so. I I love love to talk to these guys, and I will often pick a cover model, you know, based on how he talks to me, too. Mm. I mean, I want somebody that photographs, but that I know a little bit about 
what he is. I don't want some stuck-up guy that's just beautiful and stuck on himself, you know? Mm. Um, So Jimmy Thomas, who's probably the most famous cover model, is on most of my um, books. And I just uh, uh, came back from a big convention that he had, and he had a lot of uh, models there. Um, We did a military mash ball I sponsored, and uh, it was, you know, it was fun. He supports the author's he does things for us. Uh, he signs my books sometimes. He signs mm-hmm. my posters. Right I here. send them. Found cruising for a seal. Yeah. And uh, he's just been – he's a great promoter, as, as he should be. You know, this is his business. Uh, he's allowed me to interview him on my blog site. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he's just – he's a very smart man. Um, and I enjoy uh, traveling, meeting people from different parts of the country. I've met great friends that I've known for years on the Internet, and then I get to meet them in person. And fans love to show up, too. So, you know, they love it when— This is Romance Writers of America. hmm And the readers love to show up and hang out with their, uh, with their favorite authors. I took a bunch of readers to the Atlanta Aquarium. We just had a great day. And then and the next day on Facebook, oh, my God, oh, my God, I got to hang out with Sharon Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> my kids kind of thought that was funny. Now, as the self-published uh, author, mm-hmm. um, you have, I assume, then you're involved in selecting who who the cover model will be and yes. how the cover is set up, the format of the book, which Everything. authors don't, you know, when they're a big publisher, they don't have that opportunity. It's all done by somebody else. There is a very... So you're really hands-on. Yes. And, you know, I, I like that. I hire the cover artist. I've had the same one that's done all my books. Mm-hmm. Um I know a very good um, writer who got a very good contract. Um, the cover on on her book is a picture of a guy with a trident tattoo. He's a seal, and it's backwards. Mm. And that's a New York house, mm-hmm. you know. And they're not going to reprint those books. Um, so uh, Except I and then the, all the seals start parading up in front of the uh, <laughs> publishing. Yeah, they no. they probably just go. Well, it's just you know nobody knows. Um, <laughs> so I like having that control. I can change prices and and change covers and do all kinds of things. And so when you say that, so do you do the distribution yourself, or is it through? Well, it's a, through either CreateSpace or Amazon or whatever. Then um, Amazon. Um, iTunes, you know, iBooks, mm-hmm. uh, also Nook, uh, Kobo. So you're selling a lot of uh, eBooks as well. Then. It, most of what I sell is eBooks, but oh. I do have the print books. Um, I do better on the eBooks than the print books. Mm-hmm. So. Well, there's certainly not the marketing, you know, manufacturing costs, right? Right. right. So you do a print-on-demand POD. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. Great. Interesting information for all of our writers out mm-hmm. there to hear and be aware of. Um, and how do you market? Do you just market yourself is this, or do you have a professional you've hired mm-hmm. to do that for you? I don't hire – I have not hired any professionals. I have bought some ads, but really it's all uh, the force of me uh, getting out in front of the people. <laughs> for, Sharon Hamilton, yeah. the force. <laughs> Let the force be with you, yes. Good or bad. Uh, I'm only – I mean I wish I could just write 24-7. Uh-huh. You know, I really do, but – the reality is to be a best-selling author, you have to keep uh, connecting with your fans. Mm-hmm. And so 50% of my time is spent in promotional activities. And, um, you know, there's a lot of writers that – there are a lot of writers that hate that. Mm. And that's unfortunate yeah, I know because they're going to need to do it. <laughs> more and more. Yeah. Because there's less and less of this stuff, even with you've got a big publisher. That exactly, they don't do anything that, you know. anymore. Mm-hmm. The ones who come through here for, on book tours are we're getting you know scarcer and scarcer, and they've yeah. got to have a yeah. huge following when they arrive. That's know? right. Best-selling romance novelist Sharon Hamilton travels the world to pose with the shirtless hunks who model for the covers of her various book series, including her Seal Brotherhood sexy romances and Guardian Angels and Golden Vampires of Tuscany fantasy romances. The conversation with Sharon has already been spicy, so stay tuned for more peppery and garlic-infused words of wisdom with this best-selling author right here on North Bay Public Media, KRCB-FM. 
We were just breaking and talking about, you know, going to Italy uh, a little bit. Actually, I'm going, I'm going in two months. Oh, you're going to go in two months. <laughs> yes. But the reason you're going to Italy is I assume you're going to go to Tuscany. Yes. Let's see, I'm trying to segue. Oh, okay. Is this too subtle? And No, no. And then I have the uh, – yes, I had the cruise, which went from Italy to Brazil. Oh, okay. So you've already done a cruise from Italy yes. to Brazil. So yes. you have a fan base in Italy and Brazil. Actually, I do because I, I left my computer on a bus in – in Brazil, and this wonderful lady uh, found it for me. It had all my books on it. Oh, wow. Oh, so There's I was... this machine called, you know, that'll back that up for you automatically. <laughs> not, not to put a plug in. I know, yes, I know. I have I know. one now, too. <laughs> anyway, she was so wonderful. I um, sent her all my books, and she's now a really big fan. So, And she's gotten a lot of her friends to read. And, you know, they, they love romance books in Brazil. They're mm-hmm. just avid fans. So there's a question since we're talking about a country that speaks Portuguese mm-hmm. and reads Portuguese, I mm-hmm. assume. Do you have translations of your books? Not or? yet, Not but yet. that is probably the next thing. That's one of the things I want to learn in Italy when I go to that uh, f- fiction festival mm-hmm. in, in two months. Mm-hmm. Is this the big international book fair in Italy? It is not. It's just called the Women's Fiction Festival, but there will be a lot of people that do European and South American distribution and translation services. So. It be interesting to hear what you find out. Yeah. Yeah, because there are certainly markets that you could tap into that yes. would be yeah. good to do. I have friends that are doing better in Europe than they actually are doing in the United States. The world's changing. And everybody reads English pretty mm-hmm. much. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we we have a huge advantage. Um, but that doesn't mean it's always going to stay that way. And to reach out to other countries in their tongue, I think, is a really important uh, important step. So I'll be doing some of that next year. Very good, very good. So let's talk about Tuscany and the golden mm-hmm. vampires who reside there because they are not your traditional vampires. No, they're they? not. <laughs> so tell us about them. Well, they're not vegetarians like the ones in Twilight or what they called vegetarians. Well, they weren't really vegetarians either. But um, these guys are um, sort of a master race, a master breed, uh, and they don't have to go to ground. Uh, they don't um, have to – they can be in the sunlight. And they have children uh, that are born mortal, and Mm. they make a choice at puberty whether to remain mortal or to become vampire. And so children in this society are very highly prized and only come around very rarely because a golden vampire can only have children with his fated female or male. Fated. Does that mean? Fated, yes. So that means that they are set in the stars or something like that? Yes. It's like a genetic uh, code. There is no possibility for getting pregnant unless uh, they're with their fated mates. You made this up? I did. Yes. (laughs) Very clever. Uh, And so. uh, So when I walk into a room, if I'm a vampire, I'm a golden vampire. Yes. All right. So I'm going to be one of those, you know, on the top of Olympus kind of people. (laughs) And there across the room, I see a beautiful woman. Yes. But as I get closer, her DNA doesn't match. So you just stop right there or, or what? Uh, it depends on what your uh... – <laughs> What your goal is. Yes. yes. If you're she has out... a beautiful neck. Let's yes. If, she, if, if you're out for a night of fun, that's fine. And uh, my, my golden vampire, 300-year-old Marcus Monteleone, searched the world for 300 years for his faded female and had lots of fun in the meantime. Um, but uh, never found her, and like some of his brothers and sisters did. Mm-hmm. So he does finally find her in the in the first chapter of this book. She's mortal, and mm. then and oh then, well, so she doesn't have to be. So already that's a problem. A Do they no. have to be a vampire to have? Not children necessarily, no. but mm-hmm. they can't have children. Probably, if you know, I the way it's I've a written blood it, chemistry thing. Exactly, right. she does become a vampire, but that's that's part of the story. Uh, you don't want to give that away. I could do it. Yeah. She she actually <laughs> she it's called Honeymoon Bite and mm-hmm. she this that's the first in my series and she's at her wedding. She's just gotten married and she finds her groom in the bathroom with the maid of honor. So she goes, "Okay, that's it. I'm out of here." Takes her wedding dress off, stuffs it in the garbage can. She's paid for her vacation in Tus- Tuscany and she goes by herself. And she's crying, and she's walking the streets of Tuscany thinking, how could it ever get worse? 
And, of course, it does because then she gets bitten by a vampire and becomes a vampire. Uh, uh, but not her, not her husband-to-be. Not her husband-to-be. He's home. He's home with his friend. <laughs> and she's there by herself. Well, he has seen her walk the street and recognizes her when she goes into a little church to light a candle. And she's very distraught, and he recognizes that she is the one. And, um, and then she's attacked by someone, and uh, he saves her life by turning her. So. All right. So the question, that means she gets bitten and becomes a vampire. Is that mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Well, now, actually, so, she gets bitten and left for dead. Right. Okay. Okay, mm-hmm. but the blood almost so completely drained. Right. All right. I'm trying to remember the all the <laughs> you know the ins and outs of vampirism. But you mentioned that she's in a church, which means that close at hand would be a crucifix. Yes. Does that work with these? No. No. Oh. No. We don't have the silver. We don't. You know the no tru- garlic. No, no. No. So when no you said garlic, that it was okay. None no. Of that stuff, no. Huh? No. Okay. Um, because these the, are super special vampires. Yes, they are. Okay. And uh, that whole genre, I mean, the the paranormal genre has uh, changed. There's all kinds of things. I, I don't think I could do shapeshifters or things like that. But I really like the idea of um, the angst of living for three, four hundred, a thousand years without mm-hmm. finding your mm-hmm. mate. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the crux of it. So you really have empathy for these people that finally find somebody and then it almost gets taken away so right of course that, the problem with marrying a mortal is that they're only going to live a short period of time in comparison to you that's exactly right and one of uh, his brothers has elected to do that and has gone through three wives mm. he doesn't like being a vampire but of course you know he won't age and he's put three three of his you know beloved wives he's buried them and he's loved them all now, do your vampires have to move around because people become suspicious when they don't change? No, I create a big society, sort of an underground society in Tuscany, and mm. they're very well established, and they don't have to worry about that. However, there is a, another breed of vampires, and they're the darks, the dark vampires, and those guys do have to stay out of the sunlight, and um, they are oftentimes uh, the servants of the golden vampires, or they're... Uh, you know, rogue groups, uh, they don't have quite the hierarchy that the Goldens do. And um, they are um, trying to, in some cases, interfere with the Goldens. They steal the children. Uh, they're kind of bad guys, most of them. Sounds that way. Um, but Like our traditional idea of what the old-style vampires were. Yes, yes. yes. And they, they're – so the evil one in the first and second book, they're both dark vampires. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. All right. So I have to ask you a question if you don't mind sharing sure. this with us. What is your creative process? Do you lay down in bed and have a notepad beside you when you have <laughs> dreams or, or do you sit down in front of your computer with a blank screen and just start typing or tell us? Well, I think to, if you want to be a successful writer and not just write for fun, and mm-hmm. there's certainly uh, that's certainly uh, something that people could do. There's nothing wrong with that. I wanted to make a living at it. Mm-hmm. And so if you want to make a living at it, you have to treat it like a job. And unfortunately, that means you have to put aside, I don't feel like it today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you have to sit down and write your two or three or four the thousand Jack London words. Eth- epic, you yes. know, ethic, we will. Right. Yes. I mean, if we all wrote when we felt like it, none of us would have any product to sell. Um, and the fans... Um, more and more aren't going to wait a year between books. I mean, there's only a few writers that can come out with a new book every year and people will wait 12 months for mm. them. Uh, in my romance uh, genre, they're, they're going to go on to somebody else. They, they're reading, romance readers read sometimes a book a day. Yeah, That's I used the to be average. A manager of a bookstore and we got, you know, a crate of new romances every two weeks and yeah. had to take the other ones off the shelf. Remember in yeah. the old time when you took the cover off and brought right. that back? Right. So, uh, yeah, it's a constant, uh, voracious appetite. Voracious is exactly and they're right. all the, the readers who would come in and really want one specific writer <laughs> or right. one specific genre. That's right. That's right. So it's a. Um, um, you know, we, we have to be pro- prolific, and in order to be discovered on Amazon and the other search engines, you need to have something out there every three to four months. It can't be a year or 18 months like it used to be yeah. because your analytics, uh, the charts all drop, and all of a sudden you're down ranked at the bottom and you're not going to be seen on those 
pages of bestsellers. Okay. So the question, how many books do you do a year? Well, I think this year I'm going to do five. Five? Mm-hmm. Full-length novels? Uh, yes. Because you did some shorts, too. Yes, and those those all became novels. What I usually do is release a short mm-hmm. in an anthology. I've had I've done three anthologies so far this year. I have two more coming. And no, uh, next question. So, do you put these anthologies together, or does another editor do that? No, we we loosely do it uh, as a group. It's a group effort, okay. um, and we try to pick writers that have. Uh, like the last two I've done were just all Navy SEALs, mm-hmm. and so we pick writers that do that, and uh, and then we cross pollinate our readers that way, right. and then so people can find some new uh, writers, and hopefully those writers will keep them all excited about reading military romance, so that they'll wait for my book. <laughs> right, you'll have a little time to take a breath or two. Yes. yes. So then I take that novella and I expand it into a full length book, and then I release that two or three months later. So they've already read the novella. They like that. They can't wait to find out what happens with the characters. So, you know, the novella is a lost leader, and then they buy the book. We've know? had other fantasy writers, uh, like, uh, you know, the writer of The Maze Runner in here, and he's talked about how when you construct a parallel world, mm-hmm. you have to be very careful because your readers are really picky if you, if you <laughs> yeah. forget your, your own yes. uh, setups. Yes. I, I actually hire somebody to create a book. Bible for me. Ah. So I have a, you know, the worst thing in the world is you don't want to get that call from somebody, their email that says, I thought his eyes were green. <laughs> well, they change color <laughs> when he's excited. Yeah. Right. yeah, you just don't want to have that happen. And and you're right, Gil, they, they know my characters sometimes better than I do. Maybe I've done that three or four books ago, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I might forget what his mother's name was. Right. Uh, so on a blog or somebody, somebody might ask a question, and I might have to go, gosh, I better it's on his. It's on the secrets of his password access, <laughs> but other than that, who cares, right? Yeah, so I keep this book Bible uh, by me, and we update it with every book, so we have everybody's name alphabetically. Now, is this a, a three-ring binder kind of thing, or is it mm-hmm. on your— Yeah, yes, it's a three-ring okay. binder. Right. Well, yeah. that's what I do, too. So. Oh, good. Because then you can— can really find it yes. instead of searching through what did I label that? Yes, and you know, of course, it always happens when there's no power, so you don't have your computer <laughs> anyway. So <laughs> you always have to have some kind of backup. But <laughs> so we've talked about Navy SEALs, and mm-hmm. we talked about vampires in Tuscany. You have a third series mm-hmm. as well. I do, mm-hmm. and this is called the Guardians, uh, and they are archangels. They're yes, they're guardian angels. Um, I now have, this is the angel that stands by your shoulder and gives mm-hmm. you advice. <laughs> this is no, the, I'm not saying that lightly. No, I, I understand. Yes. Um, this is uh, these are angels in my world that come down to a. To help people decide to live instead of die. Mm. Okay, so the they have a wings very, of desire. Have you ever seen that movie? Yes, I yes. have. Yes, very yes. powerful film. Yeah, and um, they this angel in my book has a uh, perfect track record. She's never lost a soul, and she comes down to uh, minister to this. Of course, hunky, handsome Brazilian <laughs> painter. Oh, we're in Brazil, right? Yes, we had to get some Brazil in there. I love, I love that. And uh, she falls in love with him. I mean, she starts thinking about, you know, I'm going to live forever, and he has a short life, and what a sweet life, and how wonderful it is to be human. And she starts wanting to do human things, mm. like go to Macy's and. Uh, smell the perfume and listen to the crinkling rap at Christmas time and watch the angels in the windows and flames of candles and things she's just drawn to. Mm-hmm. She's an, a unique angel in that way. And because she has a lapse a little bit, she becomes sort of discovered. And then once he discovers her as something more than just a muse in his painting, uh, of course, he falls in love with her. So it's a it, and that's a dangerous thing. <laughs> the Pygmalion complex come to life. <laughs> so here you've got a system. Now this is much even touchier than the vampire genre. You mm-hmm. have you know everyone has these uh, impressions of what angels are, and it's there's true. certainly lots of variations of that over the centuries. Yes, as different groups, um, you know, put their stamp on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what did you use as the basis for your angelic choir? <laughs> Um, you know, I just took a little, I always say I'm a Christian with a bent antenna. 
I got to think about that a little bit. <laughs> and, you know, I get the message, but it's a little It comes in a, a little bit of stuff. I don't, right. I don't know that uh, any of the churches that I've belonged to would fully embrace my my theories. But uh, it's, um, it, it is a message that uh, the higher calling, of course, is, is um, taking care of your fellow man and being in love mm-hmm. and as the high, highest and best – uh, potential of a person. So that's kind of my religion, I guess. It's throughout all my books. So this angel decides that she wants to, she would rather have a short life and be human than live forever in a vanilla world. Um, and I think. Okay, let's stop there. A vanilla uh, world. This is your idea of heaven, is yes, that it it's is vanilla. very vanilla yes. in the large V sense? Yes. yes. It's vanilla and maybe a little boring. Uh-huh. I mean, that's the way I put it. Not everything boring about it. And then I have the underworld, the opposite, mm. which comes into the book, and it's just all messed up. So are those fallen <laughs> angels? Those are fallen angels. Mm-hmm. And we have a dark angel that loves to try to turn guardians. He's, mm-hmm. He loves guardians. Ah. But the worst thing about the— going to make a deal and have you sign a paper. Exactly. Yes. He deals for souls. And he has preyed on this painter— uh, given him a sexy girlfriend and pulled the rug out from under him. He's, you know, his career's over. His girl has lost, left him ready to die. <laughs> but he's still hunky. He's still hunky, and she saves him. Aha. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay, so we've got three, in, well, somewhat similar, but quite different, uh, shall we say, um, Different Parts worlds. Of the different worlds, mm-hmm. right. You know, basically they say that a writer writes the same story many different ways, right. and I think that's true for me. So is there a seal who's going to meet an angel or a vampire <laughs> or whatever? Actually, I do have some. I <laughs> <laughs> see. we got to tie it together that's somehow. That's right. Um, in my vampire— well, you can bring all your readers together and then I... <laughs> you have them you know, only write one book for all three groups. Yes. Isn't that funny? I find that my seal readers don't go to vampires. The vampire readers will read anything. I mean, because they're used to—they'll go—I mean, they'll go way into dark stuff that I don't even try. Mm-hmm. Um, but the—and, of course, inspirational readers would never read any of mine's Anyway, because it's got too much sex in it. Ah, but um, okay. Well, there's a good question. So, do you write mm, a different level of no heat level? No, no, not really. It really kind of depends on on the scene and heat the character. Level. Yeah, heat level now, is what we call. I was told by my you know friend, and this is again ten, fifteen years ago, that they used to have codes on the side of uh, romance novels with so many I don't know fleur de lis or something, mm-hmm. and the more of them, the sexier the book is. Mm-hmm. Is that true? I don't know that that's uh, done. Uh, there are some publishers that will do that. They'll put chili peppers on the outside, ah, okay. one, and their reviewer sites will have one, two, or three, or four, or five sparklers, or hearts, or flames, or whatever. Everybody's got their little gimmick. Mm-hmm. I tend not to, I mean, I was in a group, and I said, gee, I don't know where mine would fall. And everybody in the group said, <laughs> you're five. <laughs> <laughs> but you're not quite at uh, shades of gray. No, no. No. Mm-mm. No. Mm-mm. So you called your, uh, sell me something sexy. Yes. Now, since you said that basically you didn't sell your books except you're selling your books directly. Yes. Is that who you mean to sell the sexy to? It's not to an editor or a publisher? Though. No, no. I, I'm done with that. Past mm-hmm. um, <laughs> <laughs> that. <laughs> That's, you know, if I, if I wanted to spend the rest of my life in frustration, I could go that path. You could pass through the transom. <laughs> huh? yes. I, I think I've paid my dues there. Um, it's not a fun thing. Mm. Uh, this is... A worse day of self-publishing is way better than than uh, uh, years of trying to uh, break in the door. And you know what? It doesn't mean that the writing is or isn't any good. Um, just like well, there are great books out there. <laughs> I, I would I would differ. I think that since your fan base keeps growing. Yes. It has to be good. Oh, yes. Yes. You can't write bad books and become a successful multi-book author. That's true. Um, but, I mean, uh, there are great books out there that are 
not getting read because people aren't promoting them properly. And then I get some sent to me by major publishers, and I'm in the third chapter, and I say, my gosh, they didn't even remember what they said in the first chapter. It's yeah. like there's no continuity. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I think uh, I think that in this uh, new age of uh, self-publishing, um, we, I get to do things that maybe were not commercially viable because I actually had an agent say, I don't know if I want to do angels because that's so controversial. You know, I don't want to have the inspirational readers, you know, after us. I don't want to have uh, uh, people who don't believe in anything saying, oh, gosh, I'm never going to read a book about an angel. Uh, guys won't pick it up. You know, so they're all thinking about where they're going to put that little category. But then I can go ahead and write it and find a few thousand readers and uh, and it's and it works, mm-hmm. you know. So I get to I get to blend the genres. So you were talking about putting seals in um, my vampire series. I have retired seals uh, that actually come to work with uh, a security force in Hillsburg, and they think it's way cool that you don't have to get in a helicopter and and drop in at midnight. You can just go trace to the store and get beer. <laughs> So, of course, so they may end up in Tuscany. <laughs> and yes, if they just – the only thing that's kind of not cool about it is you kind of have to hug the guy who's tracing with you. And that's probably the part that's the hardest for the seals to put up with. But other than that, uh, they like that thing where you can just be there in a second. So seals have their own uh, set of what? Limitations? Well, they have all this equipment and yeah. all this stuff. And, of course, the vamps are just – have this – they, just themselves, yeah, their skin essentially. Yeah, they heal else. and everything. Right. So, and an aura about them, or do they? Mm-hmm. Glist- they, they or since they're called golden, do they actually um, glow? They do not. Um, not it, like the it, ones from that other series, which we won't mention. <laughs> the sprinkly stuff, yeah. yeah, the little sparkle stuff. No, that was that was kind of. Uh, it was only in the moonlight. <laughs> that was not. Not something I enjoyed watching. But, you know, uh, these guys, they're golden because they can be in the sunlight. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's the difference. So we have tan vampires. <laughs> yes. Italian blondes. <laughs> yes, yes, of course. Okay. Well, of course. Northern Italy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay, so we've got three different genres. We have three different uh, – now, here's a good question. Mm-hmm. So when you go to a romance writer's convention and you sit at your table with your three different stacks mm-hmm. of books, do you have three different – Lines mm-hmm. of readers mm-hmm. who um, may or, or do you have, you know, basically what I'm saying is mm-hmm. do you have a different fan base for mm-hmm. each one, right? You know, I, I worried about that initially when I started. And actually I got this advice uh, to have the three series from Bella Andrade, who's uh, just a phenomenal writer from mm-hmm. Sonoma. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's kind of my mentor. And um, we sat down and, and – You want to plug her book? Oh, she I she is she has a new series called Game for Love and it's with uh Kindle Worlds mm-hmm. and uh, it's a new thing that Kindle has done. They've come out with four they've chosen four authors. I think they they might have uh brought in a couple more. And then Bella has chosen certain authors to write in her world. And so I'm writing actually seals in her world. How and fun. yes, and so it's like a fan fiction type of thing. Now, does she give you a Bible of uh, formats and structure mm, that you have to follow? Or I think what she's she's one uh, that reads a book a day, ah. and she also is a terrific writer. Um, I think she's read my books and only chosen people that have a similar voice. And I, I think it's more the voice and the level of heat. And the funniness, because she has a snarky sense of humor like I do, Uh Um, we have that in common. Um, And I think that's how she chose the people. Um, But no, there's no prescribed way other than it has to be 20,000 words and a few things like that. Okay. So, yeah, The Game for Love. And then she has another series, The Sullivan Series. And uh, I think she's on her 15th book in that series. It's all brothers. They have the Seattle Sullivans and the San Francisco Sullivans and the New York Sullivans. So um, she's quite uh, amazing. Hmm. So since you do something that uh, more and more authors are doing, but some are being very careful about, you know, your blog and your Facebook. Mm-hmm. Yes. You get instant feedback yes. from people like I do, you know, writing yes. for local newspapers. Yes. So uh, 
Have you had things you'd like to share with us that have been really fun and those that have been uncomfortable? Hmm. I, you know, I very rarely get something that's uncomfortable. The the overwhelming response I get is, um, I, I got a wonderful email from a woman who uh, had a stroke uh, like five or six years ago, and she confidentially told me that she, you know, been it's been difficult to be with her husband, and and she was. Uh, struggling with that, and she was reading some romance. She read my book, and um, she said she just felt like, you know, things started happening <laughs> for her. And her husband goes, "What got into you?" <laughs> so she she wrote me a letter and just thanked me. And um, you we know, need another book right away. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know. Um, there are people that are missing their husbands or they've gotten, mm-hmm. been long-time divorced or they've lost their children. There's a lot of people. I don't write for lonely people mm-hmm. or damaged people, but it's heartwarming to know that I can bring a few hours of enjoyment, you know, pleasure. We can say that word. Uh, we to, certainly can. To, to people um, – you know, I just – it's just the greatest gift in the world. So overwhelmingly, that is what we talk about, you know, how romance novels have been good for us. Mm-hmm. You know, it's in generally, I think, very healthy. <laughs> Sharon Hamilton, you have been listening to Word by Word Conversations with Writers on North Bay Public Media, KRCB-FM. Today's conversation was with the best-selling romance novelist Sharon Hamilton – who travels the world to pose with the shirtless hunks who model for the covers of her various book series, including Cruising for a Seal, Seal My Destiny, and Fallen Seal Legacy in her Seal Brotherhood romances, Heavenly Lover in her Guardian Angels trilogy, and Honeymoon Bite in her Golden Vampires of Tuscany fantasy romances. Our studio engineer this afternoon has been Jesse Fankishan. Our program director is Robin Pressman. Our theme music is by Bill Conti. And I am your host, Gil Manser. We invite you to join us for our next word-by-word broadcast right here on North Bay Public Media, KRCB-FM, from 4 to 5 on the afternoon of Sunday, September 6th. Until then, we wish you some kindness, joy, love, and happiness during any of those famous hot August nights. (laughs) ¶¶